Hello and welcome to another episode of the Jump Music Initiative podcast. Today I have with me a very special guest, Marshall, and my co-host, Lisa Jacobs. Hey, hey what's welcome. going on? So to give you a short introduction, um, Marshall is an Emmy award-winning songwriter and Juno award-winning artist. Formerly of Walk Off the Earth, singer-songwriter, producer Marshall is a multi-platinum recording artist. He is an Emmy-winning um, Emmy award-winning songwriter has number one hits on Billboard AAA along with multiple Canadian Music Awards, Juno Award, Streamy Award, SoCan Award, YouTube Music Award, and has multiple cuts with top 40 artists across the world. Amazing. So welcome. Wow, thank you. <laughs> Woohoo! You got that all in one breath, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I wanted to ask you was how you got into the industry and where it is that you are at now. How would you describe your role in the industry now? Um, first, can I just comment on Lisa's little dance that she does <laughs> while things are happening? It's like, I want to know what music you're actually hearing in your ears when you're doing like, Oh my God, it's <laughs> a joy. It's just like a joy dance. It's embarrassing. It's I didn't realize joy. I was doing that. <laughs> there's, there's music of joy happening at all. It's like when people have kids and, you know, now and then they always just rock like this to rock the baby. It's like for no reason, you just see a random dude standing on the corner, just rocking. You're like, you have kids. Um, in music well, why music um I started walk off the earth in 2006 with Johnny and another guy named Pete um but before that I was in like this ska type um reggae like not reggae but like ska let's call it ska band uh called Pink Belly that I, that I started in university and before that uh I was in um, just like an acoustic cover band with another dude. Um, before that, I played uh, euphonium, like the like baritone, you know, mini tuba. Yeah, that was, I started that in grade six and went all the way through to uh, the end of high school. So I was a brass dude. I know the low end. I know the back end like you, Lisa. Like we, oh we, we know my. how to hold it down. <laughs> Pegged you for a trumpet player for sure. How have we so never I, talked about this? I switched to trumpet once um, once I got into the ska band because it was just a lot easier to carry from gig to gig. Right. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, I'm gonna require a euphonium solo at some point in our in our lives together. I I, I still dabble. I can dabble. Um, but sorry, Maddie. I mean, I got so caught up in in <laughs> going backwards rather than forwards in chronological order. What, what was the second half of that question? Yeah, so how you got started and then how that leads you to where you're at in the industry now. Yeah, so what's funny is I didn't even pick up a guitar until I was uh, first year university. I was one of those people that just didn't go to class. So I was living in a dorm and the dude across from me is named Jesse. He had an acoustic guitar and I just kind of grabbed it and started learning off the internet and then realized I had no idea where I was in the song. So then I had to start singing it and then I had, like, I'm a huge Bob Dylan type Neil Young folk music fan. So I bought myself a harmonica and one of those all next strap things and started doing that. And within the year I was playing, uh, you know, just like bar gigs, like cover bar gigs and stuff. So that was my way in. Um, and I just haven't really wanted to look back since. It took a long time for, for music to, to pay the bills to replace all the other jobs. Um, but it's been a, it's been a really fun ride. 
Awesome. I, I heard that you now produce yourself, all your own music, and you learned to do that on your own. Um, what was what was that process like? How do you how did did you face any challenges in, in trying to do that yourself? And how did you overcome that? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of musicians produce on their own. Uh, it's just hard to get good at it. And so um, I was always trying to do it the whole way along. Like I started using Pro Tools in like 98 or 99 or something. And like the, I had no idea what was going on. I just knew there was a couple of things I knew I could record my voice, but it, everything sounded like crap. And, uh, and then I would say sometime around 2017, um, 2018 really. Yeah, no, I moved down to Manhattan Beach, California, like LA area. Um, in 2015 and by that point I was producing a lot of stuff on my own but I didn't have I didn't know if it was good or not and um and there's there's one it's one thing about producing and then it's also another thing about like getting to a finished product a lot of people can produce demos the hard part is is being able to produce the finished product and and what you learn along the way is like you can get it to a great spot but you still need to bring in other people like Lisa knows one of you know our good friends is Spencer Shane, who's just, he's nominated for the Western Canada produce, producer awards or whatever it is, music awards for, for best producer. But, um, you know, I, I met Spencer through Jocelyn Alice, another mutual friend and uh, needed someone like that to be able to get that finished product. Um, but until you realize that you can use somebody like that, you, I think a lot of people get frustrated along the way. And you're like, man, I'm trying to produce this all by myself, but it's still, doesn't sound finished like what do I do so that was the that was a learning curve for me was being able to say okay I can get it this far and I'm still the producer and then use somebody else to mix and master uh I love your producing it's so great it's so good on the tracks that you do for yourself and for other people maybe I'm biased but um I love it you have a great <laughs> year for all of that <laughs> Thank you. okay so you've been in bands for basically all of your music career and now you were doing the solo artist thing. Um, how is the journey as a solo artist? How's it been going? So Marshall started, Marshall, the band, right? Marshall started um, as a way of, of just getting music out that, that didn't fit into the walk off the earth mold, right? I was writing stuff that was kind of Bonnie Vare-esque and, and digitally weird. Um, and it didn't fit. So I had a, a publishing deal with Cobalt when I was in LA. And so we were pitching some of it. And, and it was one of those things where I didn't, I didn't know if I wanted to hear somebody else's voice on these songs. It was kind of like, yeah, this sounds cool with the, the way that I have it. And so if it's not going to make its way into um, anyone else, it's going to be able to basically mimic what I'm doing let's just keep them my voice and so really Marshall just started as okay here's these demos uh this music's pretty dope and let's try and pitch it for tv and film so that it would just be heard um and that didn't go the way I thought because uh, this is another conversation but you know I've learned a lot in the last couple of years there's a certain um mold that has to fit for tv and film and the stuff that I was doing didn't really fit um so I said, okay, well then I'll just release it. And, and if some, some of the walk-off fans like it cool and if other people like it cool, but at that, 
I was at a point in that part of my life where I didn't really care if anyone liked it or not. I liked it. And so I just wanted to get it out. And so that was, that was the whole reason why Marshall started. It wasn't like I had this big, I gotta be the main guy in the middle of the stage. Like I want the attention I want. Like, I love being a band. I love not having to sing the whole time. It's so good. Like, <laughs> like Lisa, we only played one Marshall show together and there were multiple times in the one show and I'm just like, okay, can you just take the middle of the stage? Like, I don't want it the whole time. <laughs> just, like, I don't want this. So yeah, it was never that, it was never that type of thing. It was always about just getting music out that I had written and that I, I thought my voice belonged on. Amazing. I wanted to jump in. I heard you talk about, about pitching. So for all the young artists out there, what exactly is a pitch and maybe what, what goes into um, a successful pitch? Just some of the key elements. Yeah, so there's different versions of that too, right? Like if you're pitching to another artist that you know, you're just writing the best song you can or sometimes people deliberately go in and say, hey, you know, um, like Miley Cyrus needs a new song. We've heard it through the grapevine. And so let's write something that we think she might like. And then uh, the people on your team, sometimes it's a publishing company, management, whatever, they're going to take that song if we all think it's great enough. And they're going to uh, send it to Miley's team and say, hey, we, we think it might be cool if Miley sang this. What do you think about it? Do you want to change it? Do you like it? Yes or no. That's a pitch uh, to try and get somebody to cut your song. And then there's other worlds where you're just pitching for, uh, what's basically called sync work, right? And so if we're doing the educational moment in the podcast, um, that's just getting something on on TV and film. So, you know, there's there's publishing teams and there's other teams, boutique type teams that license music and they all specialize in different things. And so if you have a good team that, um, like I do now, Secret Road, they're awesome. Um, but yeah, if you have a good team that knows how to pitch music to sync, uh, they have a... a there's a certain style, not even style. If, you, if you're pitching a TV and film, it's got to fit for TV and film. So it either has, it's one of two things. One, it's got to be recognizable. So it's going to be some huge band and you're watching a show that uh, the demographic is 15 to 20 year old. And so Machine Gun Kelly songs can show up because it's recognizable. Um, or it, it sounds like it's supposed to be there. You might have never heard of the artist before, but that song sounds like it's supposed to be there. Like you're watching a Jeep commercial and it feels like what it sounds like to drive a Jeep. You know, they're like, yeah, I'm going up a hill and here we like, <laughs> it's going to fit. It's going to fit that, that thing or whatever that uh, music supervisor is looking for. Mm. So have you been writing a little more in that vein for it to fit TV stuff? Are you doing a little bit of all of it? Yeah. So when COVID knocked the crap out of most of the music industry, um i had already started veering that way uh like i said the, the original marshall stuff was always geared towards tv film um i just didn't i didn't do it right the vibe was right the lyrics weren't right it just didn't didn't fit so unless marshall would have got massive and it, and it fit into that recognizable category it, it didn't really have a chance at tv and film um but i mean you know a lot of the stuff that i that i do the, the walk-off stuff that I did and then I'll take a song like this is it it's anthemic and it's big and it's you know stadium sized and, and it's positive um and I that's that's the original walk-off stuff like red hands rule the world like all those big you know that's that, that's got my stamp on it and uh that's that's what I do 
So yeah, it was easy for me to say, okay, I'm just going to go back to what I know how to write mm-hmm. and find the right company that knows how to work that style of music. And I signed a deal with uh, Secret Road in LA and we've been working together for almost, uh, well, just under a year. Amazing. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about building a fan base. So obviously when you set out on your own, uh, comes with the territory of kind of finding your niche group of people, finding dedicated fans. And uh, for young artists out there who are releasing music, what's the process of building a dedicated fan base? For example, having hundreds of people listen 10 times versus having thousands of people listen once could be the diff- a big difference. Yeah, I mean, there's just such a million different ways to answer that question. Um, you know, Walk Off uh, got involved with YouTube before most people knew what YouTube was. And so if you're, it's just like anything, if you're in early, um, then you grow with it as it grows. And uh, we were, uh, lucky is a good word, you know, we were lucky enough to our fan base was naturally building because YouTube's fan base was naturally building. And we were just doing stupid, goofy little covers. And the whole, you know, it's funny when, when people talk about walk off in YouTube and, and trying to understand what that, what actually happened. And um, say you're going to a concert and it's a band you've never heard before. And then they play a cover song and you're like, oh, that's cool. I like that version of that cover song okay, now I'm going to listen to the rest of this band because I like how they did that. As soon as you throw something at you that's recognizable, then you can kind of go, oh, I like how they did that. Let me listen to their original stuff. So we reached a point and Johnny and I reached a point and walk off. We're like, we don't want to get in a white tour van and drive across Canada to play seven shows. Like, we don't want to do that. How can we reach as many people as we can without doing that? And um this is what we we came to is like let's just keep throwing cover songs at people that they can say hey that's cool now listen to your original music and we had two original albums out at that time so youtube grows we grow with it while we're doing these things and then you know the perfect storm hits and um and walk off blows up now how did how to uh mimic that these days I don't know, like what's the next YouTube? It, it, TikTok's, TikTok did it, right? TikTok did it for, um, well, how many? Like Old Town Road is because of TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's so many artists that, that have blown up on TikTok because they got in early or it became viral with some of their music. And, and now TikTok is kind of up here. And now TikTok is just as important as Spotify and the radio and all the things. So, you know, what's the next thing? what's a way for an indie artist to get their music so that it naturally grows with whatever that thing is, because it's impossible for, for a, not, not impossible. It's one in a million for uh, an unknown artist to get their music on the radio these days. You have to have record label support. You have to do all these things. It's very rare for them to just blow up on some huge playlist there's a better chance if it's on TikTok. So, I mean, if I was to advise people, it would be write music that works for TikTok. And then if that works and that brings them to the rest of your music, that formula will always work. It works in concerts, it works in digital, it works in every format. If someone finds something that they like of you, they'll check out the rest of it. Mm, That is good advice, Marshall. I'm gonna switch gears a little bit. Is that okay? Please. Uh, I feel like I've been talking a lot. Let's listen to you. (laughs) 
Um, well, your job right now is to talk. So no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one wants to hear me. <laughs> um, okay. So people have been, it's been a tough year for a lot of people. And I think there's been a lot of loss and, um, and a little while ago, you, you, you guys, you lost your friend, um, um, Taylor yeah. and well, the beard guy from walk off and your friend. So many good names he had. I know he really did. Um, and so I'm just wondering like, what's your journey been like with grief and loss and do you have any kind of um, wisdom to impart to everybody who are dealing with similar kinds of things? Hmm. Yeah. Wisdom is a tough one to, to try and give to people when you, when that type of thing hits you. Um, I think it's just sharing experience that allows people to know, okay, I'm not the only one that's ever felt this crappy or has, you know, hit these lows. Um, Mike was a, a massive loss. Yeah. I don't know if I've had a bigger loss than that. You know, when, people tour when bands tour the amount of the, the way that walk-off did and, and there's hundreds and thousands of people out there that tour the same way that we did but you know you're in a uh, a van you're in a bus you're in all these things for 150 200 days you're with these people more than you're with your family and so mike was like a brother um we were really close and so it, that was really tough you know it, um I had just put out my own solo album a couple months before that. He was super supportive of it. You know, he would, he would say, Hey, you know, if you're, if you're going to be touring this stuff, then that means you're not going out on a walk-off tour. And that means that I'm not going to be out on a walk-off tour because it's not, so I'll just come with you. You want, I'll play keys for you. Like, let's just do this. Let's just tour the world doing Marshall stuff. And, uh, you know, and then three months later, he's gone. Um, and it rocked the crap out of me. Uh, I, I don't know. It's funny when you try and think of like what, what that certain time of my life, how it affected all my decisions up to this point. Um, like it was that a bigger part of the reason why I was okay with walking away from walk off here to follow uh, different pastors or, or how, whatever I want to call it. Um, I'm sure it was. I, I, what it does is it puts life in perspective. You know, mm. a buddy of yours that was perfect health, you know, yeah, he's 50, but he's pumping more iron and doing more. Like he was super fit, always happy. Have, he lived a great life and uh, couldn't have been, there's not many nicer people, genuine people. Um, he was a relationship guy, you know, like he believed that. Uh, it, it, it's like in sales, right? A lot of people, oh, I have the best product. I can just, uh, I have the best product so I can sell you the best product. It's not always like that. You got to like the person that you're buying it from. And, and Mike believed in that, but he had his own successful uh, transportation brokerage company. And Mike was really successful in life outside of music. Um, and he, because he, he was that type of dude, right? Like, if you, as soon as someone met him, whether it was a fan, whether it was a, a venue coordinator, whoever it was, the dude at the gas station that's selling him the, the box of gum that he's bought, like whatever it was, everyone loved this guy. Like he was just the nicest guy in the entire world and everyone loved him. And um, so when you lose somebody like that, it affects a lot of people. And um, I didn't want to get back on stage. You know, I didn't. We, we walk off took 
um, three months and four, three or four months until we did the uh, memorial concert uh, or tour. And that was the first time I ever, um, what was it called? That was the first time I ever had some sort of anxiety attack. I'd never had anything like that in my life. I was standing on stage, we're playing a song and the show, and the, the show started. And I think we, we, we opened with Fire in My Soul. And so I'm the first one that has to sing. And I remember I was sweating. My entire body was just covered in sweat. And, but no one knew what was going on. But my entire body is covered in sweat. And I'm trying to play guitar. I have no idea if I know the words or not. And I don't remember, I don't remember the whole first half of the song until Johnny took the second verse. And then I remember stepping away from the mic and being like, I don't, I don't know if I can play the show. I don't think I can, I can finish the show. And uh, I walked over to like Liebold or something cause he was kind of set up behind me where I was. And I was like, dude, I'm freaking out. Like, I, I don't know what to do. And he said something to me. There was, I would have a couple shots of whiskey that were right beside the drum kit all the time. So I went over took a couple shots of whiskey and finished the song. Um, and then literally had to walk off stage for, I was lucky. This is, this is what comes back to me not needing to be the center of the stage all the time. Like it was great. The next song, I think Sarah started singing or, or Johnny, whatever, whoever, but it wasn't me. And uh, I just had to go over to the side of the stage and I was just gone for like uh, 30 seconds, minute, and then came back and was able to finish the show. And, and every show started the same for the next couple of weeks. It wasn't as bad. It was the first time was always the worst. But it never got that bad. Um, but it, it's, grief does crazy things to you man it does crazy crazy things because you look back and, and he's not there and you're like why am i here then you know yeah. that's all i got or i'll start like crying or something <laughs> i really appreciate you sharing a little bit of of that yeah thank well, you marshall thank you thanks so much um yeah i i, I wanted to talk a little bit about yourself as a songwriter and totally switching gears, but um, what was your songwriting process like when you worked with Walk Off and maybe how did that differ from you as a solo artist? Uh, you know, I think it's different every time. It's, it, it really doesn't have to do with me more than it has to do with the song. And, and so I started writing in a way that was just like, let's just write the best song we can. Let's write, we get some chords and let's, let's just write an awesome song. I don't care what it has to be about. It doesn't matter to me. Whatever comes out, let's just do it. And that produced some great stuff. Um, but it also created a, a lot of crap. And I kind of um, learned over the years to, to try and hone in on a few things, right? Is there a concept that we already know? Is there a sound and direction? Let me go back on myself for a second. So walk off the earth, for example, is kind of genre defying, right? Like it's, it can kind of do whatever it wanted to do because you got three different singles, singers, you can hit a bunch of different keys, bunch of different ranges. Um, and they did so many cover songs that we could move from pop to reggae or, or whatever, you know, pretty seamlessly. And with the style of production that walk off did, it still ended up sounding like pop music. Um, so 
there was a lot of freedom when writing for Walk Off. You know, I guess the easy answer here is writing for Walk Off, there was a lot of freedom. I could do whatever I wanted, writing for myself or other projects. Sometimes your brain has to consider, okay, but this is the genre and this is the style that I need to stick into. Um, otherwise, I'm just writing a song that's going to sit on a hard drive. Oh, this is not what I was expecting you to say at all. Um, that you almost have more parameters when you're writing for yourself. Yeah. Ah, crazy. Yeah. I mean, again, like the original walk-off stuff, the original Marshall stuff, I just wrote. I didn't have parameters for it. But you create a genre for yourself. And are you willing to go outside of that? And if you are, how far? And so if you do diverse from that, um, then what are you doing to your project? You have a fan base because of that sound. What are you doing to that fan base? And yeah, fan bases will follow you once they're loyal. But if you haven't developed your fan base yet, well, you can't just have one rock song, one reggae song, one ballad, one hip hop track. You, you just, you can, yeah. but you're not gonna, I don't think it's fair to the fans to do that, to be honest. When you go into uh, like a, a session where you're writing either by yourself or with other people, do you kind of go in with the mindset, okay, this is what kind of give yourself those parameters going into it? Or is your mindset more, I'm going into the session, I'm going to write what comes and see where it fits and maybe we'll um, do something with it later or kind of what, what do you go into it thinking? Yeah. I mean, um, let's take Jocelyn Alice, for example, right? So the first few times I wrote with Joss, I would listen to what her newest stuff was, what her old stuff sounded like, and get a feel for what type of music is going to work for her project. Um, and then once I've put that little block in my brain, then now I allow it to be free. But it knows that it has to stay within this little box of who Jocelyn Alice is, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um... I also wanted to ask you a little bit about developing a music release plan as a young artist. So what kind of steps for someone who maybe hasn't done it before, what steps go in before you release your music? And then what are the main things that come after? My God, that has changed it's, it's so many times. It, it, it's like, you know, I'm aging myself, but it's just so different now um, to the 2000s. Right. Mm -hmm. There was just so much thought put into, OK, we have to wait until there's at least eight to ten songs ready. We have to release a single. After we release that single, we got to wait three months to see how it performs. If it performs well, we're waiting six months until the next single. If it doesn't, then we drop that second single. But either way, we're waiting six to eight months before that album, EP, whatever it is, drops. And those two songs would obviously be on that. Um, <clears throat> And that would be because there were multiple things that you needed those songs to do. You needed to do a music video. You would drop the song a couple of weeks later, you would release a music video a couple of weeks later. Radio would have caught up now and now you're getting radio push. These things don't really exist anymore for 95% of the music industry. You know, that top 5% that is what we hear on the radio all the time and, and uh, you know, top 40 music and whatever it is. Um, that's, they still follow that, call it parameters or whatever it is. They they still follow that mold, but then you get people just coming out of nowhere, like Beyonce, with no 
information given, hey, here's a 15, 30 song album. I'm dropping it now. And that's it. And everyone just deals with it and figures it out on the way. But it's just so much different now. Like people have, uh, <laughs> this is the cat. I sound like the old dude. Like the internet's ruined the world. No one <laughs> listens to music properly anymore. But, but it, it, it kind of is true. Like people have zero attention span. And so I would always talk about walk-off. Like it was um, through, was it 3D? I can't remember. I, I don't know. But 3D music, I would call it because, uh, or 4D. Anyways, the whole point is, is that it's not just audible anymore, it's visual. And when you're listening to a song, you're typically also watching some sort of video with it, whether it's TikTok or even if it's just a lyric video, but everyone's on their phone, everyone's on their computer. Music isn't just 2D anymore, it's 3D. Um, and so how do you release music in a way where the old way that was, okay, you drop a track, then you wait two weeks and you release a music video? Well, no. You have to release a music video when you drop the track because that's probably your best marketing plan for that song. Um, so now it's all about singles. Like I love people that release albums, but a lot of the time, um, unless you're that top 5%, the songs on your album are, are going to be lost. People aren't going to hear them because they're not going to get pushed on the DSPs, which is Spotify and Apple Music and the rest of it. They're not going to get um, the love that a single would be and, and it's going to be your super fans that really have to dive in and go find that music because it's really hard to find digitally unless it's released as a single um so what you know what would i suggest for people just drop as many singles as you can content 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 put it out as much as you can get some sort of visual to go to it and just hope it works out write the best music that you can Amazing. Um, thank you so much, Marshall, for sharing um, lots of advice and also your um, personal experience with loss. I think that's um, really important for young musicians to hear, and I think people will benefit from hearing that. Um, we have a segment on the show that we do called Desert Island Albums, and I'd like to ask you, <laughs> if you were trapped on a desert island, what, okay. what three could be albums um, or musical works of any sort that you would take with you. Uh, you know, this is, this is very similar to, I, I started listening to vinyls in the last couple of years and it's got me back into listening to full albums. And also you really gotta like, you got to commit to putting a vinyl on because you only got four songs and then you got to go flip it over and you get four more songs. And uh, you only have one to have so many of them because they're freaking expensive. But um, I would, I would take uh, Bonnie Vera for, uh, for Emma. I would take that album with me. I would bring uh, the greatest hits of Eddie Arnold. And um I would probably want to bring something that has like a lot of energy for those days where like you just don't want to be depressed that you're stuck on a desert island alone. <laughs> so I would bring something like the original Rage Against the Machine album, I think. Amazing. Yeah. And lastly, one, one um, of all, like, I need like multiple opportunities. It's like today is this day. The next day, I'm just going to start swearing at everyone. 
yeah that was like a perfectly curated like emotional all the emotions <laughs> in all the albums like you touch Every base on all album. of them yeah totally. <laughs> oh my god well done well done amazing thank you, thank you. <laughs> and lastly i wanted to ask if there's one piece of could be one or two pieces of advice that you would want to leave off with the next generation of young musicians uh be honest with yourself don't try and uh don't try and do it because it's what you're hearing right now don't try and do it because um it's what you think you're supposed to just just do it because you want to i like it perfect thanks Marshall. all right thank no you to so have much. you yeah. <laughs> yeah that was great thank you very much okay Bye. Okay, see you later.